Silverston, an actor, writer, producer, stand-up comedian, and the host of But You're Not Funny, a podcast for young-at-heart boomers and boomers-to-be looking to live happier and healthier lives. Welcome to But You're Not Funny. <laughs> Today, he's already laughing. Maybe we are funny. I don't know. Uh, today, my guest is Samuel Kivash. He's going to talk about finding your tribe and how he's done it, and maybe we can maybe we can learn something from that experience. So, hello, Samuel, and welcome to the show. Bill, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So, I've known you through the Mastery Circle, and it's been a great experience getting to know you. Some background about your experience, your adventure actually starts before you were born. I understand it began with your parents, Holocaust survivors, and had their separate journeys. Your mother from Ukraine, your father, I believe from Poland, is that right? Right. And both fleeing and ending up in Siberia, yes. of all places, which is where they met. Is that correct? Correct. That's a, kind of a strange place to find love, but you can find it anywhere, I, I imagine. It's very and cold in Siberia. Yeah, extremely cold. Yes, that I've heard. Never been there, but... Uh, Another incentive to find love. <laughs> absolutely. And then made their way to the States after the war. They came to Los Angeles in 1949. And here it was a little bit warmer than yeah. where they Well, they came. were in a relocation camp for three years okay. after the war. You were raised eating... Raw fruits and vegetables. Raw fruits and vegetables. Mostly, yeah. So you, your parents just led you into the backyard and said, hey, here's dinner. Uh, actually, they, they were composting. And they did grow vegetables and tomatoes, and they were made of fun of by the other people who came here from Europe, because nobody did that back then. Yeah, you do what you got to do. And they believed that the closer we came to nature, the more we lived in a natural way, eating natural foods. And when you're sick, you don't take medicine necessarily. Mm -hmm. You stand water and you rest the body, like the animals do. A whole movement came out of that, and my mother devoted her life to that. She was ahead uh, of her time. In the 50s and 60s, my brother and I, we had nuts and, and uh, fruit for lunch, and we had to trade our nuts to get a sandwich because my mother was very strict. So the expression, I give my left nut for that. Yeah, there you go. Really applied. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Jewish people referred to themselves as being part of the tribe. Finding your tribe could pertain to that, or finding your tribe could be the people that... Your mishpacha, your soul family, the okay. people you resonate with on the same frequency. Exactly. Uh, there are so many cases of where people feel stuck and they don't know how to get out. Mm. You can move out of your situation and find your tribe. I got to know you, Samuel, and how you operate a few years ago when I was heading up a public relations team. <laughs> it was, you remember that? It was for an event. Of course. 
Los Angeles Convention Center. It was called the Alchemy Conference. Yes. Now, a word to our audience. People did not bring pieces of lead, hoping to walk away with gold. Alchemy was about using the powers of God and the universe to transform your life and others' lives for the better. But if you said that back then, the ruling monarch and the church would say it was witchcraft and have you killed. So they had to disguise their work by using a metaphor. So when they talked about turning a substance into gold, it was really about you being able to better your life. Well, this conference included everything from ancient alchemy studies to modern day versions such as virtual reality voyages uh, to using alchemy uh, as, just as a metaphor for transforming your life. From soup to nuts. From, absolutely, yes. Since I was part of the management team, uh, I arranged for you to have a booth there in exchange for publicity that you would give uh, through your extensive mailing list. And it sounds simple, but there were so many communication glitches. It was really exasperating, but you kept your cool and you did what you promised. Now- That's what everybody has to do. It's what people should do, but not everybody did. Now, uh. I knew some people back then who made special requests that they were going to do something for, to get admission. Now, uh. I gotta tell you, Samuel, it really surprised me and I learned things about people, people who are not appreciative and who don't do what they say they're going to do. But you were the exception to that rule. Thank you. I'm a, like a social entrepreneur. And, and when I talk to, especially to young people about business, uh, I said, if you just do what you say you're going to do, and you follow up with a phone call, even more powerful, is a phone call and an email or an email and a phone call. You're ahead of 90% of the other people who are too lazy or too out of it because you become more real. And then you have, if you have a website, that's like an address and you have to do these things to be considered potentially substantial in a very flaky environment. I have to mention that you acquired worldwide fame unexpectedly. <laughs> One morning, would, would you tell us about that, that moment? I only had to give a year of my life for that. Hear um, that everybody? It only takes a year of your life to, be, to have worldwide fame. Now please fill us in on the details, Samuel. I was going to a group uh, training class at Anytime Fitness. Your treadmill. And all of a sudden this, there was a giant explosion and it was a wall of glass came at me. And what happened was a, a Mercedes SUV crashed through, the wall was all glass, crashed through it and hit the treadmill I was on. The treadmill hit my, my head here and then it, it broke my nose and sent me flying. And I could see the treadmill coming at me, so I rolled to the side to avoid being crushed. And I remember while I was flying through there, I said, this is it, I guess. And uh, I spent a year healing from that. Uh, Inside Edition, uh, they did a news 
there was three cameras in the in the room, so they got it from different angles. It's an amazing car crash. They put it on YouTube. It's gotten like three million hits in the last year and a half. And it keeps growing exponentially. So it's a hell of a thing to be famous for, but I'm famous. And that You're the treadmill out. guy. People would find this, they would look up uh, what? It's my name, Samuel Kibosh. Or your name. A-S-Z on YouTube. It's the first thing that'll come up. Okay, perfect. Samuel. I was wearing this pendant when it happened. So maybe that's oh. what helped me get through it. That was your lucky pendant. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of pendants, didn't you say Lou Gossett has one of your pendants? Yeah, he, he has a, uh, a Sri Yantra pendant, which is what I'm wearing. And, and he thinks it helped him through some serious illness. And he's very committed to wearing it. That's amazing. There was a movie a few years ago called My Dinner with Andre. Andre Gregory and Wallace Shawn meet in a restaurant. And so we're meeting and eating and drinking here uh, to <laughs> kind of represent what happens in the movie. Andre Gregory is this world traveler, adventurer of the mind and spirit, theater director, experimental guy traveling the world. And Wallace Shawn, Wally Shawn, the actor, he's a guy who doesn't know how to handle all this, this information that's coming at him. So his mind is being blown by, by what he is hearing. So I just thought we would um, kind of uh, commemorate that experience a little bit here uh, <laughs> with some nice food and, and, uh, and beverage. And, and smiles. And smiles, yeah. You know, doesn't that make everything taste better? So Samuel. You know, I did a laughter yoga workshop once Tell, tell us about that. And uh, the theme of it was, don't worry, be happy, just laugh all the time and make that a way of life. We're growing up in LA. Yes. And there was a, a point where you, you were self-described hippie. Before that, I was an athlete. I was a runner. I was a miler. I ran a 430 mile. Then I went to Valley College. We went to state championship two years in a row. And when I transferred to UCLA, I discovered Experimental College. It's a school within a school. Anybody could teach any class. Anybody could take any class. It was open to the community. And I discovered yoga, tai chi, qigong, meditation, hypnosis. It just opened my world up. So this atheist boy all of a sudden was exposed to all this consciousness raising stuff. And I started on the spiritual path, 1971. In school, your group was, was the runners. And you were working toward this goal, winning the meets. I mean, I, I ran the LA Marathon five times. So wow. I can relate to, to the, the uh, incredible endorphins and the camaraderie. That was, for me, was a big part of it. But I got to the point where I wasn't willing to devote my entire life to it. Okay. Because I wanted more to life. You yeah. were looking for more. Where does and, that lead you? And my Tai Chi teacher was very turned on, great energy. I said, where do you get all that energy? He says, come and meet my spiritual teacher. 
So he took me to meet Danielle Bloxham. Okay. Who every Thursday night for 18 years had spiritual gatherings in his home. Two hours of head work, a meditation, and two hours of heart work. He had eight different nights. And each night he took one of the major religions of the world and the essence, the spiritual essence of it, he captured that and superimposed it on the tree of life or Kabbalah and mm. tied everything in. The, the essence was the same for all the religions. Your mind is being expanded. Okay. I wasn't into drugs. Okay. I wasn't into drugs, but I was meditating. I was doing mm -hmm. yoga. I was running. I was looking for my tribe. I graduated in 73 and I was looking through spiritual communities and uh -huh. I couldn't find anything that seemed to work. And I was like a lost soul for about over 10 years. Wow. And I had a lot of depression. It was hard for me to relate to a lot of people because it uh -huh. seemed like most people were on a different wavelength. Did you have a sense that other people had found their tribe, but you were still looking? Yeah, like, you know, if you grew up Jewish and you went to temple, you had your Jewish tribe. And if you were really deep into yoga you, and you joined like, like the Kundalini yoga people, you'd have your yoga tribe and some of them lived together. But nothing right. quite fit. And this is a long time. It was a lot of suffering, it was a lot of loneliness. And then I finally just got tired of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I took a class in psychology at Santa Monica College. And it talked about Eric Erickson's eight stages of life. And it said in the middle stage, if you start, don't start giving back to your community, then you stop growing spiritually. So I thought, what can I do to give back? I thought I'll become a teacher. Hmm. Hmm. So I started with substituting. And then finally, I thought I would settle down, and I became a sixth-grade math science teacher. Working with kids, um, sometimes people ask my wife and I if we have kids, and she says, uh, none that I know about. <laughs> That's cute. But <laughs> we actually thought about having kids, but we decided not to. Okay, because, you have dogs. Because we wanted to stay married. <laughs> but I have worked with kids too. And Samuel, I was a substitute teacher. Okay. I dealt with everything from high school kids in, in lockdown. Sure. UCLA, you mentioned, uh, university elementary school on the campus there. Yeah. And the only way that you get in as a student is if your parents are UCLA faculty or celebrities, or you might be diverse, like say you're the child of two very eccentric lesbians. There you go. Okay, so I was teaching sixth grade math science, and I noticed a lot of the kids were turned off to math. I thought, how can I make this more interesting? So I had been exposed to uh, material from Drum Below Malkisedek. He created the Flower of Life workshop, and he taught sacred geometry. It just I imbibed the essence of sacred geometry. So I thought I'll create some original curriculum to turn these kids on to math, mm -hmm. especially the hyperactive kids, the little gangsters, very kinetic. Mm -hmm. So I would teach them how to draw sacred symbols, circles, squares, triangles, 
and progressively more challenging exercises mm -hmm. until they had enough skill where they could draw their own sacred design or their own mandala to make it more exciting. It was called Geometric Drawing the Math Art Connection. Mm -hmm. And I taught it to math teachers in the evenings and weekends, up to 100 teachers at, math teachers at a time, like at the California Math Conference. And I did this for 10 years. Did any of them have weird reactions? Were they like, what is this all about? Or were, did they kind of get it? Only one person. <laughs> okay. One of them walked out and I, I followed him out. I said, why are you leaving? He says, I'm a Christian ah. and I refuse to be exposed to this spirituality. Now, I didn't teach the spirituality in the classroom, but I did teach it to the math teachers. Okay. Interesting. I wanted to expand them like I was expanded to turn them on to another way of thinking. Sacred geometry is a way to show the oneness of creation, how everything is interconnected. We all breathe the same air. We all drink the same water. We all are made from elements of the earth. And we are part of the creation. Uh -huh. And there's divine ratio, Fibonacci sequence, golden mean uh, spiral. That if It's all through the universe. It's all connected. There's a patterning. There's a divine intelligence that happens throughout the universe. Sure. So did you find a sense of uh, family and, and belonging then? The teachers, when we were finished with the workshop, didn't want to leave. They want to continue working on their projects. Huh. And my first 16-hour workshop, there were some teachers from a, a place called City of Angels, which is a division of LA Unified where they teach independent study. There were some very creative people in there, and they, they caught my interest. And so I did six years of substitute teaching and seven years in the classroom. And so I applied at City of Angels. And they took me, and I did nine years with independent study. I was able to get kids that were turned off to learning and re-engage them in the learning process. So this is, it sounds like you had the perfect setup. It was something that you created uh, in line with your beliefs, but you had to leave. Well, I, yeah, I just needed a change. Okay. And I looked around, and I said... There's a lot of people out there that are making money on the internet selling things. Okay. And I said, I'm no dummy. I can do that too. <laughs> so I kept my eyes open. I searched far and wide and I found this pendant that I really love. The sacred geometry jewelry and pendants have symbols and you wear these and you are affected. Could you describe what one of these pendants looks like? Sure. There's, I have 65 different designs, and the designs represent a lot of the spiritual cultures throughout the world. They, they basically have to do with lines and circles. The line, uh -huh. the straight line is the masculine, and this curved line is the feminine. So it's a combination of masculine and feminine lines that form circles, squares, triangles, and beautiful designs, spirals. And Spirals, too. Yeah. Okay. By the way, I love the expression, a spiral is a liberated circle. And when we break free of the circle of doing the same thing all the time, unconsciously, mm -hmm. and we break out of that, we become the spiral and we start to evolve.
a spiral is is uh, when you put that into form. That's a spring. Sure, I got this pendant from Australia. Okay, and I started wearing it in the streets of Los Angeles, and many many strangers would stop me in the street and say, "Where did you get that? How do I get one?" Hmm. If I go to a party. A lot of the people, especially women, because they notice things more, would stop what they were doing and hone in on the pendant and come right over to me and ask me, what is that about? Hmm. It's beautiful. They have gemstones on the back and uh, there's symbols on the front. And my wife, who's worked with gemstones and crystals for over 30 years, when we get them shipped to us, now they come from the original people from India. Mm -hmm. uh, she puts them under... Uh, a crystal skull and energy grids and she charges them with positive energy so that the people wearing them can be uplifted and become their highest potential okay now what you just described here is going to blow a lot of minds what is an energy grid what is a can you <laughs> can you in a couple words describe a few of those things that you you whip through there we have certain places on the planet where ley lines come together and they build cathedrals and churches on, on those spots because there's more of a spiritual energy. We have Mount Shasta, which is a giant mountain and has this radiation, this presence that you feel when you go there. We have Sedona with the red rock and all the energy vortexes. So there are spots on the planet where you can receive this energy. In these pendants, we're trying to recreate that by wearing a pendant that it can help lift you up. Okay, Samuel, that's, that's really heady stuff here. Um, and I think some people still may be thinking, that's a bit woo-woo, I don't really understand it. I, I do know this, there is a, an electric current that runs around the earth. It's called the telluric current. I mean, electricians know, uh, know of that when they're putting in lines and so forth. They have to be aware of the telluric current that circumnavigates uh, the earth just a little below the surface there. There are such things as earth batteries. You may have heard There's, of uh, the, the tube torus around the earth. There's energy that comes up through the middle of the earth and goes around. Oh, around the back pool. To the bottom of the earth. Okay. And it's, it's uh, magnetism. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we have that, that in our bodies, too. It comes up through the center, goes mm -hmm. out the top of our heads, and around and back in our feet. We have that in our bodies, too. And mm -hmm. when we resonate our magnetism with the magnetism of the Earth, we become uh, symbiotic, like the Schumann resonance. We become similar in our resonance frequency to the Earth by spending time in nature, doing deep breathing, keeping our body flexible, mm -hmm. eating healthy of... foods. Yeah. Now, you, you met your wife at a... Crystal healing weekend, yes. Crystal healing, okay. Now, how the heck does that work? A crystal. Now, so many people will say, that's woo-woo, crystal. I mean, tell us, tell us what, how it works. Uh, so different crystals have different frequencies. Okay. And for instance, my wife can look inside of a crystal mm -hmm. and, and communicate with the essence of the crystal.
because she studied it so long, she became sensitive to it. What would she, would she be expressing something to it or getting something from it or both? Both, both. What would it tell her? Depends on the crystal. What's the, what, <laughs> I mean, like for example, there are crystal skulls. They're, the, they're crystals in the shape of a skull uh -huh. that carry uh, centuries of, of, of knowledge. And someone who's real sensitive, when they're within the range of that cr crystal, they, they can have a communication with the crystal, and the crystal will download information into them. Okay. There's about 13 world-famous crystal skulls. And when there was a conference in 11-11-11, November 11th, 2011, huh. my wife took a crystal skull and she went around to all the crystal skulls in the room. All the world famous crystals were there and she downloaded the information from all of them into our crystal skulls so that when we get the pendants in from India, we put crystals and the crystal skull and energy grids on top and all that information gets downloaded into the crystal pendants we sell. Who, who made these crystal skulls? That's a mystery. That's a mystery. Just like the crop circles. A lot of people think they're all man-made. I don't think so. Because they show up overnight and they're huge, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the, the way the earth is communicating us to wake up. Mm -hmm. To be in alignment with the energies of the earth. Okay. So, Samuel, among the people uh, that you work with, uh, your customers and, and people at these conferences, have you experienced that you're in the same tribe? I'm glad you asked. 1987, there was something called the Harmonic Convergence, created by Jose Arguelles, a Mayan archaeologist, scholar. And he created this day where all the spiritual groups all over the planet would come together. And I went to Oaxaca, Mexico. I visited Teotihuacan, very famous pyramids in north, half an hour north of Mexico City. Uh -huh. And I was sitting on the giant pyramid of the sun, meditating, and I got the vision to have a weekly support group. So it would be like a fellowship, and we'd meet every week and have okay. a half hour silent meditation. We'd sit in a circle, we'd introduce ourselves, we'd have a speaker, uh -huh. and then we'd have a whole table of really good, healthy food. The idea was anyone that entered my home would be uplifted on all levels just by entering my sacred space. Wow. We had a, a snail mail list of 600 people I would send out every two months. As you said, a tribe, an area where, where people who are into spirituality could gather together and connect and support right. each other. Because as I was improving myself, as I got my act together, I found when I back, went back to some of my old friends who were still struggling, it would yep. pull me back down. So uh, I, I wanted to create a space where we could all work together right. and pull each other up. I do uh, recall your saying that when you went to UCLA, you'd gotten a major in American social history and a minor in ethnic dance, and you yep. went to the placement office, and they told you the only job you were qualified for was? Selling a gallo wine. <laughs> exactly. And uh, let's drink to that. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, <laughs> you didn't take them at their word. Otherwise, you'd be, you'd be pushing those uh, 
<laughs> pushing those bottles today, I suspect. Um, and you, you went ahead and, and forged your own way to where you had to be to find your tribe. I am so glad to know you. Thank you. Absolutely. And we are part of the Mastery Circle yes. Los Angeles, uh, Mastery Circle International. That is quite an experience, too, of challenging your mind, challenging your, your spirit. That's a very uh, memorable experience all the time. So uh, after doing the meetings for a few years, and I, the last year and a half, I did it on a larger scale. I rented a hall from the Quakers in Santa Monica. We had up to 70 people come instead of up to 40 in my home. And I met Pauline, who's now my wife, for almost 27 years. You know, we did most, of the, most all the work. I didn't know how to delegate the work to people. And so I got tired and, and I found uh, my own little mini tribe, my, my wife and I, which we ended up being married. Um, the new century, the 21st century, yeah. I started up again, I, I, but I did it online. And mm -hmm. I came up with the term sacred friends community. Mm -hmm. And I started gathering emails. And I think I have about 1,700. Wow. Started being called the Goodwill Ambassador of Southern California Conscious Community. And I put out a lot of emails on consciousness and health. Yeah. And I also sell my sacred geometry pendants and I sell violet glass bottles and jars with sacred geometry symbols on them. When I walk through the streets, it used to be they stopped me for my pendant and now they stopped me to thank me for putting me on their email list <laughs> to break out of their circle into their spiral. Okay. We're going to take a short break right now. Uh, Samuel, before we do, I just wanted to pose a question to you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, could be good though. Your journey from so many strange roots has taken you here to where you are today. Where do you see or do you see your journey uh -oh. taking you from this point? Think about that and we'll be right back. This is But You're Not Funny. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit our website but you're not funny.com and we're back this is but you're not funny and my guest today is samuel kivash samuel where do you see yourself if anywhere going from this point i see myself aligning with people who have similar beliefs in an egalitarian community and where we're off the grid as much as possible, because as crazy as things are, it's hard to trust the system to maintain all of your power and water and food. We have to become adults and become self-sufficient. That's a, an interesting analogy. So just as we as children became adults by cutting the dependency uh, on our parents, you're suggesting that we as adults should, should cut our ties to a grid or a system. Yep. When we're ready. When we are ready. Okay, terrific. Great, thank you. Now I wanted to say something important. Carolyn Mace, she's a, a psychologist, as we evolve, 
it's our responsibility to cut the ties to our tribe. Ooh, uh-oh, that's starting to sound scary now. Because as we grow spiritually, we get closer to God. And it becomes a one-on-one -on -one experience, a direct experience. And you open yourselves up to the point where God is talking directly to you. And you're talking directly to God. And now, so at that point... It's a sign that you're crazy. Call the men in the white coats to pick you uh -oh. up. No? My wife is crazy too then. <laughs> okay. Now, what's your address? We'll send, it, we'll send the, uh, the car over. No. Thanks. And then you gather together with a new tribe, with people uh, who are adults and spiritually evolved and are independent enough to be their own person, to manage their affairs, and at the same time know that collectively we can work together. Well, Samuel, this has been a fascinating discussion with you. Uh, is there anything more that you want to add? Just find out what you love to do and get in touch with what you're good at. Work at becoming your highest potential and don't give up on yourself. Uh -huh. Then you have a great chance of having a more fulfilling life with more joy and more bliss and more love. It sounds blissful. Well, I want to thank you so much for being uh, my guest on the show today. Uh, once again, this is Samuel Kivash. And would you please give people how they can uh, locate you? I have three main websites. Uh-oh. I have sacredfriends.org. Okay. Where you can read about my life story and find out more about what I do and my philosophy. Right. Then there's sacredpendants.com. P-E-N-D-A-N-T-S, sacredpendants.com. Right. And that's where I have 65 different patterns of sacred designs. Wow. And then the third is violetflameglass.com. In honor of St. Germain, I have these violet glass bottles and jars. Some of them have etched sacred geometry symbols on them with affirmations underneath. So you have the energy of the violet glass, which helps keep things fresher longer. Okay. You, you have the symbol and the meaning behind the symbol and you have the affirmation. Got so it. all of the things that I do are about lifting up the frequency Great. of humanity. Perfect. And I go through my hard times too, like everyone else, but you just keep going. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on other people. Great words of wisdom. Thank you so much, Samuel. Uh, this has been but you're not funny. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's laughing already. So maybe there's something there. You can see us on YouTube or on all audio podcast channels. So until next time, just have a wonderful day and keep going for it. Thank you, Samuel. Thanks for listening to But You're Not Funny. Please subscribe on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Bill Hoverston. You can see my work at BillHoverston.com. It's been a pleasure.